0: Oh Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that today that we can gather that we can depend upon you. Lord, we come to you and say, "Come, Lord." Come, Lord Jesus and fill our hearts with their, your presence, with that faith that we need. Lord, we realize that For many of us, we carry burdens, carry challenges. We have travelled a long journey. But we thank you, Lord Jesus, that this morning, we can depend completely on the presence and the power of God in our lives. We thank you that we can depend upon the work of the cross and Jesus Christ that came into the world to change the world. We thank you, Lord. That in a world that is full of darkness, a world that is full of of pain, a world that is full of pandemic, a world that is full of rumours. We thank you that there is a firm foundation and there is a rock on which we can build our lives on. And that rock is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we honour you. We praise you. We just say it's so good to be together together and to honour you, and to sing, and to praise, and to glorify your name. Come close to every one of us that is here, whether we are believers or not, whether we have just come along because it's today's Mother's Day, and whoever, and whatever, we thank you that wherever we are in our journey, you want to be with us. Whoever we are in our story, you love us, and you care for us, and you want to bring hope into this world, Lord Jesus. Thank you for that. We pray again for the mothers of the Ukraine today. Lord, we hear the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans that we pray with groans. And not with words. And Lord, we don't even have words to say. But we feel the groan of our prayers for the needs of that nation and the mothers and the children at this day. And we pray, Lord, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon the mothers. Comfort the mothers, we pray in the Ukraine today. For all those that are separated, for those that are dispersed, the millions throughout Europe and beyond, we pray for the mothers, a whole displaced generation of women that are spread all across Europe. We pray for the peace, the comfort, the presence of God And the light that will shine in the darkness, we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Good morning. It's so good to be back. Thank you, Zach, for leading us in worship. Uh, Thank you, team. It's lovely to see you. I just realized that Zach's parents are actually in church today. Uh, I think it'd be nice to honor them. Stand up uh, and say hello to everybody, and you can go and harangue them afterwards. There you go. So uh, that's Zach's mom, and um, she's pretty special, your mom, isn't she? And your dad's awesome as well. They, they pastored all of their lives and led some great churches, pastored in our own MB conference, and, um, and now preach there at Southland in uh, Steinbach. So we're so blessed to have you and so uh, pleased that you're with us. Well, I want to remind you uh, a couple of things, but I'm preaching from 1 Samuel, um, 1 Samuel and chapter 1. And if you have got uh, your Bibles, turn there for a moment. And I, I realize, sorry, the offering, that's a really good idea, isn't it? Yeah, if yes, okay, I'll get, yes, hallelujah, we thank you, Lord, for the offering. (laughs) Have I ever mentioned that it's really good to bring your tithes and offerings into church and that we are called as New Testament givers to give generously, to give regularly, to give sacrificially and honour the Lord and um, the church is the hope of the world and so uh, if you're not giving... Can I encourage you to pray and just say to the Lord, what can you do? And how you can give and engage. And if you are giving, thank you. Because it is so good, isn't it, to bring the first fruits of the harvest of our lives and honour the Lord through that. So thanks, Zach, who's gone. Um, Perhaps the Lord's come and he's gone in the rapture. So good. While the bag's been uh, passed around... Uh, I'm going to be preaching from 1 Samuel chapter 1 and I'm going to be talking about Hannah and her, uh, her battle and her breakthrough and what God... The reason I want to talk from Hannah is um, is to really talk about the idea that, that God answers the prayer. The story of Hannah is about a mother who prayed with a heart that pushed into God to see breakthrough. And I believe in the power of prayer. I believe that God wants to answer our prayers. I believe that God loves to hear you pray. And the heart of Hannah is one of a heart of a mother who is pushing in, who is believing that in the darkest of situations, we can believe that God will come and God will bring a breakthrough and God will bring a difference. And we believe in, a, in, in prayer as a church. We have 21 days of prayer. We, we last uh, two weeks ago, we had Wednesday, a day of. Praying for the prodigals that they will come home in a day of fasting and prayer. And I think Michelle whispered to me about this Wednesday, we're going to pray again and fast for our prodigals to come home. And let me tell you, we must not stop believing that God answers prayer, that he's with us. And I just look around, see answered prayer here this morning. I'm reminded of um, Stuart and Debbie. They've got the most amazing testimony Uh, about how they prayed for prodigals to return and God answered the prayer the most amazing way. It's a story that is so profound and so glorious and and it just built my faith up one day when I had lunch uh, and heard that story. It was such a blessing God answers. We, as a team, I've been encouraging the church staff to keep a diary of all our prayer requests and all our prayer answers. And one of the staff members, by the end of January, was up to 100 prayer answers. That's going some. God's interested in the micro of your life and God's interested in the big issues of your life. He wants to answer your prayers. So we've been doing it. And at the beginning of April, we... Into April, we had a number on the list, well, Michelle did, uh, and she was praying for this. She was praying for wardrobe, because we needed a wardrobe, because we didn't want to go to Ikea, because you know how to, how you spell Ikea, don't you? Yes, H-E-L-L, and (laughs) it's a a frightening experience for a man. Uh, (laughs) Ikea, and you come out, don't you just come out with plastic potted plants and tea lights, and they all cost you four hundred dollars. I mean, it's just terrible. So we're praying, praying for a wardrobe, which hallelujah, we got an answer, uh, which was a lovely moment. We're praying for Canadian citizenship. We hadn't heard about Canadian citizenship for for months, and it felt like years. Uh, and we'd go on the website and it'd say, your, your application is in process. Your application is in process. We don't know if we like you. Your application is in process. And, and, and then at the, uh, and we've been praying for all of this. And then a week last Friday, uh, the whole family, we all became Canadian citizens. So hey. Yes. Just that was, that was it. That's it. It happened. I swore allegiance to the Queen, which was a weird experience. <laughs> Absolutely weird. And to her descendants, which was even more weird. Um, anyway, God bless you, Charles. But uh, we are, we're blessed. And we think, okay, because we said at the beginning of April, Lord, may it happen by the end of April. We just, no indication that it ever would that we were uh, go on and and April 29th it was done so now I am Canadian and now I can vote hallelujah yeah. it's coming um, so praise the lord for that and we can uh, understand all that god is 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 doing he answers prayer I know it's Mother's Day and I want to acknowledge that as we touch on a subject and I just felt the Spirit just encouraged me to preach this passage that, that the story of Hannah is the first three chapters of 1 Samuel is a shoulder. It, it, it makes the transition from judges to Ruth, as it were, into the change that is taking place in the nation. And we know in scripture that there are these amazing stories of women who find themselves barren, who at a significant time in the history of Israel or a miraculous moment happens that links Israel to birth. And to what is taking place. So there is a micro story of a struggle of a beautiful woman called Hannah. Who seeks the face of God and who is experiencing immense pain on the micro level. But as a shoulder you have three chapters that are bringing the great transition. As we enter in to the kingdom of David. And the shift that is going to take place. And the covenant of David that will take place That will eventually bring the Messiah into the world. So let me remind you that you have the moment of Sarah and Abraham. When Sarah was 90 years old and she was without child. And it's the, the birth of Isaac is the birth of a nation that is taking place. And here we have the story of Hannah. Whereby the world of Israel is in an absolute mess. And in Chapter 17 of Judges says everybody did what they saw right and fit in their own sight. Doesn't that sound like today's culture? That everybody feels right what they can do, they see in their own sight. And that was, this is the situation in Israel. And and this story comes to illustrate the barrenness and the pain and the difficulty of Israel within Israel. A micro picture before we begin the great journey of Saul and David and all that is taking place. It is a a prophetic moment. It is a story that should capture our hearts. It's a story about a small family in a nation that is broken and the difference that that small family made in that nation to bring change. I cannot emphasize the importance of Christian family and Christians together and our belief in a nation that is broken, that when families gather together and live devoted to Christ and individuals stand in that gap to pray, we can see a nation changed. And the story of Hannah is the beginning of a revolution that sees a nation changed. So we can look at Hannah's pain and... The danger is is that we apply it to our own, perhaps, situation. I want to tell you whatever pain you're going through and whatever you're facing, I want to tell you that the love of Jesus is with you. I want to tell you that God surrounds you, that God loves you, that you are his precious one. And that even though in your own journey you may be facing challenges, I want to end this message with a note of inexcribable hope that God comes and moves and that we see a mighty one. So I need to get on with this message having introduced it. Uh, let's start at verse three. year after year, this man went up from the town to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh and Hafine and Phinas, the two sons of Eli, were the priests of the Lord. <clears throat> and whenever the day came that Elkanah, to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penene, and to all the sons and daughters, and to Hannah. He gave double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Hannah's womb... And her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. We have a dire situation. We have an interesting introduction here. We have a man, we have a man with a family. And this man, Alkanai, is making his way yearly to the place of Shiloh to worship God with his family. What is interesting is the piety of this family. Although there are problems within this family, and we'll step into those, there is piety there. And we see, first of all, we see that it is unusual at this time, but this family is unusual. This man is devoted and regularly goes and worships the Lord and honors the Lord. The second thing we know from this is that this man is generous. He's generous in his portions of meat that he gives so they could go to the holy place of Shiloh. That they could go and honour the Lord and he would hand out the offerings. And because he cared for Hannah so much, he was generous and gave her a double portion of offering to bring to the place of worship. We also know that he deeply loved Hannah. Probably Hannah was his first wife. And then his second wife was Piana because she was unable to bear children. And of course, children were the the central, in this culture, the central purpose of why women existed. It was the reason. It was the purpose. Which is hard for us to imagine in today's society. And I'll explain that in a few more moments. And we know that this man... I? he had a terrific character. At least he, his character was devoted. His character was, was open to going and regularly worship at Shiloh. His character was generous and his character was, was thoughtful. And he tried to meet the needs of his wife Hannah, although she couldn't have children. So we have a pious family that are moving before. Now, of course you look at this and instantly we see that that he's got two wives and we think well how does that work is is God in favor of two wives can i just say quickly no in this cultural context where 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 tribes and clans exist. It was the custom of the time that because of the stability of your kin and the stability of your clan, that if your first wife, which probably was Hannah, or did not have children, then you would take another wife to maintain the integrity of the clan and the kin. But every time It takes place in Scripture with God's people. There seems to be problems. And God's way is monogamy and God's way. But in the ancient world of the Bronze Age, you have the cultural traditions at work as well. Which makes it even more interesting. But they go up to worship. They go up to be in the presence of God. And they go up. But you see, there's a problem Hannah cannot fulfill the gift of a child. She cannot and she has not. The second problem is that now, because she cannot fulfill that, she knows that she's in danger in the culture, that there'll come a time when her husband dies and men often die sooner than their wives, when the husband dies, that she will have not any children to look after, because children are the pension, they're the source of life, that when they are the ones that, that you have children, so they look after you and they provide for you in the future. It's, it's, that's the way it works, not anymore. I have children, I feel like I'm paying out for them all the time. Yeah, it's like it never ends. It's like, oh, really? Another bill? That's good. Dad, my car's broken down. Oh, great. Good, well, let's just, anyway. But, but back in this day, children, were your financial future, hallelujah. Yeah, anyway, let's get off that point. Um, <laughs> they were the, your, your financial future, not a financial challenge. And, and, and so what would happen was that, that she had lost any future. She'd lost a sense and then she would be disconnected from the clan, disconnected from the people. Not only did she have the problem that she couldn't bear children, not only did she have the problem that she would have no financial security in the future, now she had the problem that the second wife... As it says in verse 7, this went on year after year when Hannah went up to the house of the Lord. Her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So not only did she have the first two problems, but now she had an external problem of somebody's voice, the second wife, telling her how she has failed and provoking her and pushing her and hurting her. I mean, this woman is in pain. Then it's clear from the text, from from the fourth, is that she is depressed and highly distressed. And emotionally, so she's got an external voices coming at her. And she's got internal voices that tells her that she's shameful. That she's not blessed. That she's not loved. That she's not good enough. That she's not going to be cared for. And this other woman keeps coming to her and saying all of these things. And in her own heart, she's feeling the agony and the pain and the loneliness of her situation. But her husband, Elkanai, comes and comforts her. He tries anyway. And Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Honestly, guys, this is not the best line in the Bible. Darling, I know you're having a rough day. I know that you are blue today. Oh, you've been struggling for three months. Ah, oh, but don't you know that I love you? <laughs> Am I not enough for you? <laughs> Honestly, don't use that line on your wife. But seriously, Hannah is suffering. And her husband comes with words of encouragement. He's a good man. He's a kind man. He's a generous man. He's a pious man. He's a great man of Israel. He's probably from one of the elite families. In fact, he is from a, a line of priests. We know that. He is a man of goodness. He's a man trying his best. But no matter what Hannah knows that the only thing that will meet the pain within her and the only thing that will meet the pain outside and deal with the agony is an encounter with God. And sometimes we think, well, all of these things will satisfy. But it's only an encounter with God that makes a difference. And so we have the piety of a family, we have the problem and the pain of a woman, and we have the prayer and pouring out. Once when they had finished eating and drinking at Shiloh, Hannah took up now. Hannah stood up, and now Eli the priest was sitting on the chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life And no razor will ever be used on his head. And as she kept on praying. Now I want you to notice these verses. Verse 13. Because now we get an insight into the heart of an Old Testament ancient individual seeking the presence of God. Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. This is a beautiful little moment. Because what does she do with her pain? The whole world, the whole system is against her. Everything is against this poor woman. She's got the system of the clans and the kin against her. She's got the system of, of the way that culturally, what was culturally accepted, accepted against her. She's got the second wife against her. She's got her own mind and her own depression and her own shame against her. She's got the reality of her husband that is really buoyant and a very positive personality, but not giving her any comfort. So she comes, and this is the pivot moment when it shifts, when Hannah comes into the holy place and she starts to speak to God and to pour her heart out And she speaks softly, like she's mumbling, and she is earnestly, she is emotional, she is passionate, she is believing, she is saying to God about this situation. She has brought offerings she has come yearly she's carried a burden and now she's in the temple and now she's not the temple but the place of worship she's now in the place of worship and she's been watched by Eli and she is just agonizing pouring out her heart every one of us At some point in our life, we will be at this point. Every one of us, I would suggest, has been at this point in our past. That, whatever the issue is, whatever the wilderness you are in, and she's in the wilderness, whatever battle you have faced, whatever you've been through, the answer is not external things, the answer isn't. The comfort of a person or a man. The answer isn't a system. The answer is an encounter with the power of the living God where you pour out all your heart to God and you say, God, I am in this. God, I feel this. God, I'm in pain. God, will you meet me in this pain? Oh, how many of us have been there I know that all of you have been there in some way, at some point, because we're human. And life is tough. But the answer is not walking away from God. The answer is walking to God. The answer is not zipping up and stop speaking and become stoic. The answer is to pour out your mind, your words, your heart to a God that loves you, a God that sees you, a God that knows you, a God that wants to redeem you, a God that is always with you. It's about prayer. It's about intimacy. It's about never stopping talking to the God of the creator of the heavens and earth who loves you. It's not about religion, it's about authenticity and vulnerability and just telling it as it is and lamenting and saying, God, I don't have the answer, I haven't had the answer for years, but God, you have the answer somewhere. God has the answer somewhere for your life. Don't give up on your life. Interesting though. Hannah was praying in her heart and their lips were moving but the voice was not heard. That's quite usual for Christians. I came out of a prayer meeting for an hour this morning with a group of 14 people and their lips were moving, a lot of them, and I couldn't hear what they were saying. They were just like praying for our church. But Eli thought she was drunk. <sighs> okay. So now, she's struggling with all those things. And finally, along comes a priest and says, Are you drunk? (sighs) Does it get any worse? (laughs) Have you been drinking from wine and beer? I mean, like, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away the wine. Put your wine away, he said. How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. It seems that Eli, the priest, is unable to spot a devoted worshipper of God and he can't tell the difference between drunkenness and the heartfelt prayer of a prayer warrior. Well why is this? Well we know in chapter 2 and 3 is because his sons spend most of their time drunk and at Shiloh there seems to be a lot of drunkenness and what is usual is misbehaving, as we know, because they were stealing from the the place of worship the two um, sons of Eli, and they couldn't recognise the true heart of a praying person. Sometimes I worry about the state of the Canadian church, that we've forgotten how to recognise a passionate, earnest, praying person. Church that seeks the face of God. We become so associated with other things that we forgot what it is to seek the face of God. We forgot what it is to call on the name of the Lord in crisis. We forgot what it is to turn to God immediately in times of distress and to keep believing and to keep pushing and that the prayer of the righteous is heard and that if we humble ourselves before God and we come, ask and you receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open unto you. The whole purpose of Jesus coming into the world was to enable us the ability so that every one of us and pour our hearts out to God. It does remind me of the book of Acts, though, doesn't it? They look and go, Hannah's drunk. And they look to all oh, the people being filled with the Holy Spirit. They must be drunk. What well, is about, Christians? We get, get accused of being drunk. By the way, I'm completely sober this morning. <laughs> Just full of the Holy Spirit. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. So get to know this, priest, because you... Have I not been drinking... I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. There you have it. Pour your soul out to the Lord. And never stop doing that. Whatever illness comes, pour your soul out to the Lord. Whatever relationship battle you have, pour your soul out to the Lord. Whatever grief you have, pour yourself out to the Lord. Whatever bankruptcy you face, pour your heart out to the Lord. Whatever child is addicted to some kind of drug, pour yourself out to the Lord. Whatever mental illness has come to your home, pour yourself out to the Lord. Never stop pouring yourself out to the heart. Mothers here that are battling for their children, pour yourself out out to the Lord grandparents who are battling for their families pour yourself out for your Lord great grandparents who are still battling for their families pour yourself out to the Lord because you feel the barrenness of the situation and you feel the difficulty of the pain but there is a God that answers prayer there's a God that can break in There's a God that can change. And whether she'd never done this before or never got to this point of desperation, who knows? But she got to the point where I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Verse 16. What a way to pray. Sometimes we feel we have to pray out of our great faith and belief. Sometimes we feel we've got to pray out of our great victory. But sometimes we just don't feel very victorious, do we? I may have a tambourine, but I don't feel like playing it. Sometimes I don't jump out of bed and say, Good morning, Lord. I drop out of bed, crawl across the floor and say, Good Lord, is it morning? And then... This is the day that the Lord has made, really? Really? i got to face that problem again. Because sometimes life is troublesome. But what does she say? I have been praying here out of my great anguish. To pray out of great anguish is not a sin. It is truthful. And how many moms have I met that pray out a great anguish. I've met many. Anguish over choices their children have made. Anguish over grandchildren and their choices they have made. Anguish over the growing epidemic of mental health in our children's lives. The anguish. Pray out of anguish. Pray out of honesty. Pour your soul out. Pour your soul out, my friends. And Eli answered, go in peace. She gets the religious blessing. And may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked for him. She said... May your servant find favour in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something and her face was no longer downcast. She found breakthrough. The miracle hadn't happened. She's got to go back. She will sleep with her husband. She will conceive. She will have Samuel. Samuel. And Samuel will be the figure that will bring the biggest change in Israel. But she goes away with peace. She goes away with hope. And she goes away with confidence. And when we have truly poured our heart out in prayer to God. And it's hard. When we come through the other side of that. And we've left the voice that condemns us, we've left the voices within us that shame us, we've left the religious voices that say, are you drunk, we've left all of the culture and social disgrace, we've left all of our personal failure and all of our story behind, and suddenly we are literally naked between us and God, and God is there, and God meets with us. This is the beauty of the faith. That you have a, through Jesus, the the curtain was ripped in two and we go into the Holy of Holies and we're able to bring our petitions to God. But this is also a picture of Israel. You see, Hannah is barren, but at this point in history, Israel is completely barren. There are few pious people in Israel at this time. Everybody did what they want in their own sight. Israel was full of pain. It was full of inconsistency. It was full of rebellion. It was full of idol worship. It was full of wrong ideas. It was was lost after the time of the judges. They were losing themselves. They were in chaos and they needed leadership and they needed hope and they needed an answer. And the answer came through an unknown woman from a pious family who became pregnant and gave birth to Samuel, who would bring the change to Israel. And we look at our own Western world, and our own nation, and we look at our own countries, whether it's UK, or Europe, or Canada, or wherever you're from, and we see the confusion. We see the problems. We see the pain. We see the difficulties. Everybody is doing what they feel good is in their own sight. And what is the answer? The answer is pious families. The answer is committed Christians. The answer is the church that we go into the holy place and we pour our heart out and we believe that out of the wilderness of a nation, God will rebirth a revival that will change this nation. And this is what's happening. Because what comes from this comes David. And what comes from David comes Jesus. And Jesus is the supernova event that changes the whole world. And the son of David comes, an eternal throne, an eternal kingdom, an eternal hope and an eternal love that changes the world, a new kingdom and a new place in the kingdom of God. And you can track it right back to Hannah. This should give us hope to believe that in your barren situation or your wilderness whatever that may be and I'm not referring to childbirth here I'm referring to anything in your life that is creating pain and you need an answer. That God As you pour out your heart and you leave his presence, will give you peace, hope, and confidence. And that in that place of prayer, something is conceived that can change your situation and bring hope. So pour your heart out. Hallelujah. Can you imagine living your life without the inability to talk to a God that loves you? Can you imagine? Travelling through this world without being able to commune with God. Interesting that it starts the whole story off with a pious man and a pious family who are devoted to God. And this is one of our great dangers in our modern, everyone does what they feel fit in their own eyes is that we, we lose the sense of the gathering of the saints for us to coming and giving our offering of worship to God together. There is power in the prayer of us being together. There is power in the assembly of the saints. There is power when we build rhythm of attending and connecting and worshipping and going I don't understand it, but God seems to like it. There's power in us being here together and bringing our needs and pouring our hearts out. So please, let's stand together. I'm going to recognize, although the message and the context of Hannah is to do with the barrenness of a nation and the arrival of a prophet, a priest, a judge called Samuel that will change the course of Israel. I want to recognize that there may be people here this morning that you, many of us, you are... Pouring your heart out over a situation where it feels this problem is so barren that you need God to come and work. As I said, it could be any situation. Often it's to do with our family, to do with our friends, to do with our income, the general things that bother us in life. But as we worship, and I'd like to pray if you're in that point and you feel you identify with Hannah in some way then just raise your hand and put it down and I'd like to pray for you bless you you identify with Hannah's prayer some area of your life so many of us probably 50% here Father I pray now For my brothers and sisters, my friends and my church family, and I put my hand up, Lord, because I've got a Hannah situation in our family. That Lord, I pray, God, that you will come and you will bring the hope of Jesus. That the hope and love of Jesus will come into the pain of whatever situation is being named that Jesus, you will stand in the middle of that problem. You'll stand in the middle. We thank you that there was a great problem of sin. And you came to the temple and you cleared it. And then you gave yourself on the cross to redeem us. And you rose on the third day to seal that redemption so that we can have hope and knowledge that we can pour our hearts out to God and we can know the presence of the Holy Spirit in the most difficult times. And you love us, Jesus. And I pray, Lord, now. Come, Lord. And pour yourself into this situation that people are facing and bring your hope and your breakthrough and your healing in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're going to worship our final song and sing. And I'm going to ask uh, any elders that are here and pastors and any prayer ministry people, pastors' wives to come and just stand down at the front. And if this really resonated and you want to do a prayer of agreement with somebody this morning about what you raise your hand for and just to pray with somebody because I don't want anybody to leave without having the opportunity to pray, then just come and we'll pray. We, we do this at this church. We have times when people come forward. It's You know, when I was a teenager, I used to come forward every week. I loved it, but I had a lot of issues. <laughs> But just, it doesn't matter, we're here. You won't be accused of being drunk, you'll just be accused of pouring your heart out to the Lord, amen? And that God loves you. It's a safe place to receive prayer and ministry and to find hope. So can I invite those prayer people to come and join and um, you come and get prayer right now.